You are listening to the Mile Straight Podcast. For more information on Mile Straight or to watch a video version of this podcast, visit www.milestraightbc.org. The speaker for today is our senior pastor, Tom Goss. Well, if you haven't already, if you would reach into your bulletin and grab your study guide and uh, grab a clipboard and a pen from the book rack, and we'll get started here. Last Sunday, uh, we started a process that I did not expect to be a process, but it became a process. Uh, We started a study on get up and be. Get up and be everything that God has called you to be. And when we're talking about this, specifically dealing with Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, we're talking about what God has called us to be, and that is a witness for Jesus Christ. We are to be a witness for Jesus Christ. And in the process of that, we found that uh, Jesus had narrowed down very clearly for us the areas in which we are to be a witness. That we are to be a witness in Jerusalem, or for us, our community. In Judea, or for us, our expanded community, going out, say, 50 miles from our church. And then our Samaria, which would be our nation, and then to the end of the earth being our world. So it's very specific. We only have to be a witness around the world. So basically, anywhere we are, and anywhere we aren't, we have a responsibility to be a witness there. Now, for a lot of us, it's easy for us to understand how we can be a witness locally. We may not do it, but we understand. It's not an excuse. We should be doing it, but we understand how we are to be a witness in our local areas. We might even understand if we look beyond our local area into the expanded local area, how we could be a witness there. And And since we have a lot of people who travel for work or just for pleasure, we could even see how we are to be a witness and we could be a witness throughout our nation. But when we get beyond our borders, then all of a sudden we develop some some difficulties in understanding. Okay, well, how do we accomplish that? We we don't travel out of the states that often. A A lot of us don't anyway. And so as a result, it becomes much more of a difficulty on us to conceive how we can accomplish the task of being a witness around the world when we don't go around the world. Of course, last week we looked at how we accomplish that. Primarily, there are two means by which our church functions to see that happening. One is through short-term mission trips where we get to go to mission fields and we get to spend time with missionaries and we get, if there's not a language barrier, we get to share Christ with people. If there is, we get to assist the missionary or the pastors we're working with in those areas to bring Christ to different peoples in the area. And the second way is through our strategic partnerships with missionaries. What a blessing it is in our church to have some incredible missionary partners with whom we get to associate, with whom we get to share Christ around the world. I mean, they literally, through our prayer support and our financial support, they literally take the Word of God around the world to be a verbal witness for us in those areas. It's such a blessing. One of the things that has come to my attention recently, uh, maybe more so than at other times because I've been more hands-on in the last 10 or 12 years, I guess, is to see how missionaries may go to the mission field with a particular focus 
In other words, this is what God's put on my heart to do on the mission field. And therefore, I plan to go with my family. We plan to do a certain thing. But then as they get there, God begins to expand their vision, expand their burden, expand their ministry to where it takes in more areas of ministry. And what happens when that takes place is that God begins to expand our verbal witness in those areas as well. God begins to take our investment whether it's prayer or financial investments, God begins to take those investments and He expands them to where that verbal witness now is carried even further into the communities where our missionaries live. I wanted you to see this in action. And we're quite blessed to have with us Clip, Mary and Isaac Suddeth today. Uh, if you don't know, Clip was on staff at Mile Straight for 18 years did a wonderful job here, and then God called their family to serve Him in Central and South America. They're primarily based in Panama. That was a hard thing for us to swallow, that uh, they were going to be leaving. I mean, they had been part of our church, uh, Clip and Mary both, and well, Isaac as well, since they were born pretty much, uh, young children. And then all of a sudden, God's got a plan to move them. It was hard to swallow that. But we knew very clearly this is what God wants. And so as a result, we stepped back and we partnered with them. And now we get the opportunity to see God blessing ministry and God giving us a verbal witness in Panama and other areas of Central and South America because this family surrendered to do what he had called them to do. So Clip, would you join me up here for just a second? I wanted to give him an opportunity to show us a little bit about this ministry expansion that's taking place, just so we understand how God is at work and how God is expanding our verbal witness throughout the world. And this is multiplied many times over by our other missionaries. Clip, thanks for being here, man. Great to see you again. Have a seat. Let's just make this nice and cozy. Sounds good to me. I get tired every now and then. So, Hey, listen, uh, so when you went to the mission field, there was a particular focus. And uh, there was no one in the world that questioned, or at least that I know of, that questioned your focus because we knew God had particularly gifted you for that focus. Tell us a little bit about where that started. Well, the uh, short story is that on February 27th of 2014, I was having breakfast with Russ Turner at Wimpy's, and he said to me, Clip, I'm reading a book, and I'm thinking about you. You and your family should move to Panama and have a ministry of teaching and training national pastors. Uh, so I read the book, and by the end of that year, I had resigned from here, and we went to Panama um, with the purpose, and, and generally speaking, our main purpose is still to to help, to encourage, to teach, to train national pastors. So Russ Turner is another one of our missionaries who's also part of our church family who is based out of Costa Rica but doing uh, very similar things to what Clip and Mary are doing and Isaac are doing there in Panama and other areas. Um, their ministry is also expanded, which is what we want to talk to you about is how ministry is expanding for you. So... Uh, Tell us a little bit about what's going on, where God's now leading you. And that's, that's a good question. There are several different factors that have led us to where we are now, where we will be when we go back in January. One of which is that the area where we moved is called Costa Verde, and we moved there because we didn't know where else to move. 
and it was a place that we could afford, and it was close to the city, and we didn't know the country, and it was central. Uh, but we've been there for a little over three years from now, and what we've realized is that Costa Verde is the growing part of Panama. It's about 30% developed. There are already thousands of homes, and um, so the... Uh, in addition to that, what we have come to find out is that there is no church at all in, in Costa Verde. And when I say no church, there's no Catholic church, evangelical church, uh, no um, Jehovah's Witness, Mormons, Muslims, there's nothing. So the needs are great, but the opportunities are also great. So you kind of take that, I'm just seeing the need where we are, and then because of our ministry of, of working with pastors, we have traveled all over the country and we've been to all sorts of churches. And, and it's quite sad to say that generally speaking, this is not always the case in every single church, but generally speaking, the, the Panamanian church is not healthy. And so what we want to do is we want to start a church. We're going to start a church in Costa Verde. I have a Panamanian a good friend named Nelson, he's going to pastor the church with me. His name is Nelson. Um, we'll pastor the church together. Our primary purpose is we want to reach and disciple people in Costa Verde, but we also want to establish a, a good example of what a biblical church ought to look like uh, with the goal of, of hopefully training other men to pastor so that they can go out and pastor one of the already existing churches or to plant new churches. That to me is so exciting just to see how God is, because you didn't really want to start a church when you went down. You had a very, no very focused ministry, which once again, everyone thought that's exactly. But to see how God now is, is moving that vision to something bigger or even more than what it was is so exciting. And it's almost like we've put money in the bank and the bank came back and said, we're going to double your income here. You know, we've invested financially and prayerfully in y'all and God is now increasing uh, our ability to be a witness in that area in like great ways. Analogy. It's very exciting. Very exciting. So, outreach for you in Panama, is it similar to here in America? How do you plan on reaching out and letting people know you exist? There are a couple ways I could answer that question. I think primarily we just have to understand that we're commanded to be witnesses of Jesus. And I didn't get to hear what you said last Sunday, but Acts 1-8 is the, the basis for the book of Acts, and we are to be witnesses of Jesus. But what's exciting to me about that is we are to do so in the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's not our own power. It's not our own strength. But we're to be, to be committed to simply being a witness for Jesus, which... I would say it's just to share the gospel. Now, where we are in our community, whether it be a home that is $40,000 or a half a million dollars, it's all gated communities. So it's not like we can go door to door. It's not like we could even go door to door in our own neighborhood. It's, you, it's not allowed to do so just because of like, um, I guess, homeowner association rules and things like that. That's good, I think, because it, it causes us to put an emphasis on prayer, to pray for ourselves, to pray for boldness, to pray for opportunities to share the gospel, but also to pray specifically for people that we know who are lost. Um, so there's a dependence on the Lord, but it also causes us to have to build relationships. And so what we do is we have a lot of people in our home. 
we meet a lot of people at coffee shops and things like that. And uh, yeah, it's, you know, we don't have to come up with a new plan. We just have to be faithful and obedient to what the Lord's called us to do, which is to, to share the gospel. But how we do that is we want to create a culture where we understand that the gospel is for every part of our life, not just for salvation, although that's huge, but it affects everything in life. And now let's look for opportunities to share that with others and disciple them. Oh, wonderful. So what, what needs exist? And I mean, you're starting a church. You, you're obviously going to have additional expenses you weren't prepared for originally. What, what are the needs that exist in order for that to happen? I can answer that question in a lot of different ways. Um, so let me try to three things. One, just that I like what Barnabas did with the church in Antioch in Acts chapter 11. He encouraged them to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. So just that our need is that we'll stay faithful to God, first of all. Um, as a church, we have a need for somebody to lead worship music. Um, we have a core group of 11 people to start the church. It's possible we could have 30 or 40 people the first Sunday. But nobody's gifted in music. And, and you know me, if you, if you know me at all, you know me that I can't sing, nor do I, I want to do that. So we're specifically praying for somebody, first of all, who loves the Lord and has a heart for the Lord, but also knows what they're doing with music. Um, from a financial standpoint, we live in what would be considered an upper middle class to upper class neighborhood. But because we're a new church with only 11 people that are committed our thinking is if we could raise $19,500 to help cover the expenses for the first year, that would pay for the first year's rent. It would pay for the legal fees to be registered as a, a legal church in Panama. It would buy some Sunday school supplies, some Bibles, um, materials and supplies for the Lord's Supper, uh, signage that we would need. If we could do that, our thought is that we could be, that the local church, Iglesia Bautista de Costa Verde, could be financially self-sustaining after the first year. And our goal is that the church not always be dependent upon an outside source, but that it be self-sustaining. Of course, always depending on the Lord. So anyway, we're trying to raise $19,500. Thankfully, already we have $8,510. Oh, wonderful. So if we could basically $11,000, um, that would allow the offerings from the, very offerings from the people from the very beginning to go towards ministry, to go towards future, whether it be to rent a, another space or to find land to purchase or whatever. Iglesias ba Bautista. De yeah, Costa Verde Baptist Church. Yeah. That's easier. And, and Costa Verde is the community where we live. So in Spanish, Iglesia Bautista de Costa Verde. So you've pretty well told us, but to just lay it out, one, two, three, how's the best way to pray for y'all? Okay. Um, once again, I could give a lot of things, but I know that if I give too many things, then nobody's going to remember anything. So well, I just they're share. all writing these down. so they're Yeah, I, I can tell. <laughs> Um, no, seriously, just two or three things. And if you remember one of these things, that would be amazing. Uh, first of all, just as a family, that we will remain faithful to the Lord, that we will raise Isaac well, 
uh, as a church that we will be focused on reaching people with the gospel and discipling them. And then thirdly, and, and this is a big deal, to seriously pray for somebody to lead the worship music. Okay. What I would like to do is get Isaac up here and interview him. Do you want to come up here, Isaac? He'll talk all day. <laughs> the man. I thought there was no way in the world you were going to come on this stage. So what do you like about Panama? First, that it's hot because it's cold in the United States right now and I like hot because I'm so used to hot because I just want to go back to Panama. I want to be hot. <laughs> well, don't rush it. We like having you here. <laughs> so uh, what do you like about America? Definitely not that it's cold. I like... <laughs> That your grandmother's here? Yeah, I do. Okay. Yeah, that helps. That gives you at least a good reason to come back. And besides that, I'm here. I know that's important to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so what do you do in Panama that you really enjoy doing? I have a ton of Legos in Panama, and I you love You do them. have a ton of Legos. In June, I built a ginormous Lego set, probably... Half the size of me. Oh, Probably okay. actually not as half the size of me. Um, I'm exaggerating. <laughs> <laughs> and anyway, it's still built. And that's one of the other reasons I want to go back to Panama. Because I really want to play with it some more. You and are I'm the not man. exaggerating about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, Isaac, thank you so much. Clip, thank you so much. Guys, appreciate you coming up and sharing with us. Hey, just real quickly, Tommy did not know what he was getting into when he asked Isaac if he wanted to talk. And, and Tommy, I want to thank you just for the opportunity to be able to share with the church. It means a lot to us, so thanks. Thank I didn't know. I really didn't expect you to come up. I was just kind of kidding, but I'm so grateful that he did. That's pretty cool. I wish I'd been better prepared on what to ask him, and uh, I'll work on that for the next time. Uh, so God calls us to be a witness, a verbal witness around the world. But then he also gives us the commandment that what we send our missionaries out to do around the world, we're supposed to do here as well. This isn't something that uh, is hypocritical in that we send people to do it, but we won't do it here. But it's expected of us in the same way for us to do it in America and in Saudi Daisy and Hamilton County and wherever you may live, whether that's Cleveland or Dunlap or Georgia or Dayton, whatever the case may be, God calls us to be a witness in our communities. There's a great couple of verses you see listed on your study guide that uh, the Apostle Peter writes. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. He says, But in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. 
But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed at their slander or of their slander. There are two very specific things that God calls us to do in being a witness. Number one is to establish Jesus Christ as Lord of our lives. Now, this is not your first fill-in on your sheet. I see some of you heading that direction. You're wondering, why doesn't that fit into the blanks? I'll get to that in just a second, I promise. But God calls us to set apart the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. In other words, to establish Him as the ultimate in our lives. That He is Lord of our lives in everything and in every way. That nothing surpasses Him being Lord of our lives. It's so easy to get consumed by our fears when we think about witnessing. When we think about going out into the community and telling someone about the Savior. It's so easy for us to get consumed with that fear. And yet if we've established Jesus Christ as Lord of our lives, He trumps our fear. So therefore, we don't have to be concerned, well, am I going to do it or am I not going to do it? Because Christ has commanded we do it. He trumps our fears and therefore we step out and we become the witness that He's called us to be. The second thing He commands us, <clears throat> excuse me, in this verse, is He tells us that we are to be a, a witness, one who is prepared to tell others about the hope that is within us, the hope that Jesus Christ has established in our lives. We are to be prepared to accomplish that. Now there's where I want to spend a few minutes this morning. How do we prepare ourselves? What is it that we do in order to be ready to be a witness for Jesus Christ when the opportunity comes along? Well, there are five things I want to share with you. Number one is that we are to prepare ourselves by arming ourselves with the good news of Jesus Christ, which, by the way, is the Bible. We are to prepare ourselves by arming ourselves with the good news of Jesus Christ, the Bible. We're to go out and tell people about what the Savior has done in our lives. We're to tell people about Jesus Christ. Now, the, the really difficult thing here is if we don't know about Jesus Christ, how are we going to tell others about Him? And so we have to make a priority out of God's Word. We have to engage Scriptures. We have to get into the Word of God personally. It's not enough for me to say, well, I, I heard what somebody else said God said or about Jesus. I, I heard what somebody else said about the Savior and therefore I can go tell somebody. Or I read what someone else said about Jesus. What God wants is for us to find out for ourselves. God wants us to invade the Scriptures with a desire and a heart to know the Savior. And therefore, we must make the priority God's Word. Number two. Number two, how do we prepare ourselves to give this answer? Is by praying intently beforehand for wisdom from God. By praying intently beforehand for wisdom from God. Now, here's the thing. I'm not saying it's wrong to pray in the process of witnessing as the opportunity presents itself to say, God, give me wisdom. Give me direction for my thoughts. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I hope you do that. But because of the fact that we're expecting God to give us opportunities, we're praying ahead of time saying, God, 
equip me, establish me, give me wisdom, give me direction so that when that opportunity presents itself, I am prepared to tell someone of the hope that lies within me. So I'm engaging the Word of God. I'm speaking to God, asking for His wisdom and for His direction in what I say. And then number three, we prepare ourselves by seeking, once again, through prayer, God's work in the entire process through His Holy Spirit. I'm wanting God to work through the process through His Holy Spirit. And why is that so important? It's important because I understand that I can save no one. I do not have the ability. I do not have the authority. I am not God. Most of you have come to realize that already. I'm not God and I can't save anyone. I didn't die to save anyone. So then it's my responsibility to pray and ask God to involve himself in the process. Otherwise, I'm wasting my time in the person with whom I'm speaking. Just a waste of time. If God's not involved, nothing will be accomplished. And so I'm praying ahead of time. God, when that opportunity presents itself, give me wisdom and God, go to work on them. It is the Spirit of God that draws people to the Savior. It is the Spirit of God that brings conviction which leads to repentance. It's the Spirit of God that does this work through us. We're just simply a tool in the process that God chooses to, to utilize. And so we have to be in prayer. Number four. Number four, I, I prepare myself by nurturing ahead of time the relationships needed in order to provide such an opportunity. I'm going to be working to establish relationships. I understand that, that what well, we talked about a lot, that old saying, people don't care what you know till they know you care, is so true. And so therefore, I'm going to be working all the time to establish relationships with the servers at the restaurants, with the tellers at the bank, with the people with whom I work, the people that I'm in school with, the people in my neighborhood. I'm going to be working to establish relationships so when the opportunity comes, I am prepared to share Jesus Christ with them and they will listen. Now I wanted you to see this particular point in action. And so I've asked Josh Reeves, Josh would you come up please? I've asked Josh if he would come and share a story with us, a situation that, that saw this happen very clearly. And so uh, Josh, if you don't know, is... Uh, uh, in, interim? Intern? What are you? Intern. intern, I think. Is that the right word? Okay. Josh is an intern youth director, youth pastor here at our church. And uh, it, I know it would be beneficial if I knew his position title. but Probably for me too. <laughs> but doing a great job and has had the opportunity in local schools to share Christ. And I want him to tell you about one thing in particular. Have a seat if you don't mind. Let's get I do not mind. <laughs> Shall we jump into it? Yeah, if you would. Okay, all right. right so, um, just talking about being a verbal witness, um, what was that last point you just said? Number four. Nurturing the relationships that are needed to provide. Awesome. It's on the screen, too. <laughs> so, uh, oh, it's back there as well. All right, I can read. Um, so, one of the things that we do at Hickson High School uh, with our team, partnering with Global Faith and with the Ministry of Crew, 
is that we uh, initiate spiritual conversations with students. So uh, it's a really cool process um, because uh, in my life, I don't know about for y'all, but in my life, there's been plenty of times where I thought that if I just lived a good Christian life and that people would see me differently, that people would just think, man, what's different about that guy? Like, he seems like he has something else that I don't have or whatever. And so sometimes uh, for a while I thought that I could just live a certain way and then uh, people would ask me. But when you look at the, the Gospels, you see the disciples, you see Jesus going out and initiating spiritual conversations with people, initiating Gospel conversations. So um, one of the things that we do at Hickson is uh, we, go, we go to lunch, we hang out with students, and we initiate conversations with students. So uh, about the first of the year, there was a, a couple students uh, that uh, we had some conversation with and um, so I'm kind of a nerd. I like to play video games. And uh, there was a couple kids that we were talking with and found out they play the same video game that I do. And so I uh, played online with them a couple times. I would see them at school. And, um, you know, really the extent of our relationship was just, hey, man, how's it going? Like, we'd shake hands or whatever at lunch. Occasionally I'd sit down. But there really wasn't that deep of a relationship yet. Um, and then one day I decided to, to go up to his table and, uh, and say hey to him, sit down and, and talk. And uh, he was there with probably about three or four of his friends. And uh, we were just sitting there. He asked, he said, uh, he said hey, man, uh, what church do you go to? And uh, I told him I go to Miles Strait. And uh, we got to talking. And I said, well, why did you, why did you ask me that? And he said, uh, man, I just, I just need more Jesus in my life. And that's kind of exciting. Like, Typically, you don't sit down with students, and they're like, I need Jesus. They're like, who are you, weirdo? Why are you at my school? Um, but I said, well, man, what's going on? Why do you say you need more Jesus? And so he said, uh, he said man, I just got a lot of things going on in my life. So uh, long story short, um, I invited him to come to Wendy's because kids love ice cream and french fries, and it's cheap. And so we went to Wendy's the next day after school and um, just, just decided to have a conversation with him kind of get to know him a little bit, find out why he said what he said about needing Jesus. And um, when we were walking in, I just, I had this thought, um, just instead of Frosties and Fries, I just said, offer them food if they want food. And so uh, I said, hey guys, if you want an actual meal, you can get a meal. And so they, he was like, yeah, I would love a meal. So as we get, to, get in there, we get the food, we're sitting down, we're talking, and uh, asking him about, their, about his life and everything. He's, he's chomping down on the food and everything. And uh, um, a few minutes goes, goes by, he's telling his story, and uh, I'm sharing a little bit too, and, uh, and then all of a sudden he says something in passing about not eating, and uh, I almost bypassed it, but then I was like, wait, 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 what did you say? And so it came to find out that this kid, um, he lives with his dad, and his parents are divorced, and um, he doesn't eat breakfast ever. Uh, he, and I thought about it, I was like, do you ever eat lunch? Because I never see you eat lunch. He said, I, I hardly ever eat lunch. Uh, my, my dad makes too much money to get government assistance from the school, and uh, my dad also has addiction, so we don't have enough food in our home for me to have lunch. So um, I was like, wow. So he said pretty much the only meal that he gets is at dinner time. So here he is. Um, I, th- I believe it was God, the Holy Spirit, just saying, hey, offer him a meal and meeting that physical need um, in his life just to eat because he was hungry. And, uh, you know, we just got the talking, and so... Um, while he's sitting there eating, I just said, hey, well, let me share a little bit about my life. And so I just shared, basically, I just shared my testimony. I just shared my faith with him about how the Lord changed me about seven years ago and um, just really worked in my heart. And anytime I share my faith, I always uh, 
uh, weave in the gospel. Um, that way, at the, end of, at the end of my testimony, I just say, have you ever experienced anything like that? And they say yes or no. And the conversation continues further from, from then on. But um, it was a really cool opportunity because um, something as simple as offering, you know, a student, you know, a Frosty and Fry led to a, a spiritual conversation and uh, led to, you know, presenting the gospel clearly and, and inviting him to trust in Jesus. Um, you know, he didn't trust in Christ that day. And when we share the gospel, not every single person will trust in Christ. That's because... Um, we leave the results up to God. We, we, we trust in Him. We, we initiate spiritual conversations with people. Um, you know, Matthew 28, go and make disciples. You can't make disciples without sharing your faith, sharing the gospel clearly, and initiating spiritual conversations. So that's what we did, and uh, it was a really cool, really cool opportunity. And uh, the relationship has continued ever since then. That is a, that is a super sad story, but uh, <laughs> we're praying that it will have a happy end. We know that uh, God hasn't called you to save Him. But he's yes. called you to be a witness, and we're, we're going to be praying that God will give you another chance at that. Yeah, I appreciate and, it. Now, Josh, thanks so much. You know, it's amazing when we express concern and compassion, and we show that for us this is more than just simply... Uh, uh, marking off a spiritual obligation or something on our list that this is really about a relationship it's really about concern and compassion that people all of a sudden don't mind listening to what we have to share so we've walked through now four of these thoughts we arm ourselves with the good news of the gospel we pray for God's wisdom we pray for God's uh, work through the process. We nurture these relationships that will give us these opportunities. And then number five, and this is a biggie, we surrender our fears and be obedient. We, we do this by surrendering our fears and being obedient to the command to be a witness. Surrender the fears. The fears sometimes can be overwhelming. Sharing Christ is not an easy thing. Uh, especially in an atmosphere as we have in our world and in our nation, even in our community today, people are, are sometimes very anti-Christ. And as a result, sharing Christ is difficult. But God expects us to overcome those fears. Because Jesus Christ is Lord of our lives, we have a responsibility to be a witness, a verbal witness for Jesus Christ. Yes, it's important to be a witness with our lifestyle. It's important to be a witness with what we do. But God has called us beyond that to be a verbal witness for our Savior. And therefore, we must surrender those fears. You have no place in my life. There's no way you're going to dictate what I do or don't do. That belongs to Jesus Christ. That position belongs to my Savior. And then we become obedient to do what God tells us to do. Once again, it's not about saving the person. It's not necessarily even about the results. Now, we're obviously praying for results. We want to see God save people. We want to see God glorified through that process. But it's about us being obedient. It's about us doing what God has called us to do. And that is being a witness for the Savior. So what do we do with this information? You know, before you, there's five things. And actually, if you add those first two thoughts, then we've got seven things to consider. 
What I wish we would do with this is just look at these things and say, okay, I'm doing one or two of those, but I'm really not doing the other three. Or, or I'm, I'm doing four of those pretty well, but I'm not doing the fifth. Or, or I'm not doing any of them. And that today is a day where we surrender ourselves to God and say, God, I want Jesus Christ to be Lord of my life. Not in word, not just in, in comment, but I want Him to truly be Lord of my life. And therefore, I want to be a witness, and I want to prepare myself to do that. Would you help me to begin the process of implementing these five steps into my daily access, my daily access with you in prayer? And you know what? God's called us to do it. He's promised the power to accomplish it through His Spirit. So then I can't help but believe if we get serious about it, that God will also provide the opportunities that will turn into glorious experiences with Jesus Christ for somebody in our lives. So then let's be obedient. Would you take a moment now, look over that list, and just spend time with God. If there's something in your life you need to deal with, you can. If you want to know more about being a, a disciple of Jesus Christ, a follower of Christ, you want to know more about the matter of salvation, if you want to be part of our church family, or, or if you feel God leading you to be obedient to baptism as these did this morning, then while everyone else is just kind of checking out their list and talking to God, would you just quietly get up and come and meet me at the front? The opportunity is yours. Would you do that right now?